God, thank you so, so much for uh, just the privilege we have to live in this country where people have sacrificed, given of themselves, and some the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, so that people like me can stand up here and say what they want to say without fear of being dragged off somewhere uh, because someone doesn't agree with what I'm saying. And God, I just... I, I will never get over the fact that we live in such an amazing country. As, as all, we, we all have difficulties with our country and we all have differences of opinion, but when it comes down to it, we live in an amazing place that you've given to us. So I thank you for that. I thank you for the men and women who over the years have given so much um, to all of us, who've, who've literally stood in harm's way um, so that we, we don't have to. And Lord, we want to just ask that you would bless them, encourage them. Lord, for those who are even coming back and they struggle emotionally, that you just surround them, Lord, with your love and with the love of family and friends who will be patient and just, uh, and just be with them, Lord, on that journey as they recover. Not only physical injuries, but emotional injuries that they go through when they're, when they're, um, when they're overseas or just around the world in different places, Lord. So. We want to acknowledge them. We want to pray that you would just please bless them and their families. Uh, In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter or Petros means small rock or stone. People love in the church, people love the debate whether, that, whether Peter is the, the foundation, if, if you will, of the church. This morning, I don't really want to talk too much about that. I want to talk about the fact that Jesus renamed Simon Cephas or Peter in the first place. All right. And I want you to, I want you to put yourself in, in Peter's place as we walk through this sermon. I, I definitely don't want you to be thinking out here. I want you to be putting yourself in Peter's place because God has designed and created us all with unique abilities. What I believe Jesus is saying in this verse is basically Peter, a little rock. You are Peter, a little rock, but I'm going to build this massive rock. Okay. I'm going to build this church on a massive rock. Peter means, like I said, little rock, but in the hand of Jesus, he becomes this massive stone that Jesus used at Pentecost after his resurrection to help build the church. So it's not really the fact that Peter is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation of the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. But here's my real point this morning, okay? We could theologically debate that all day long, but here's the point that I want to make this morning that is not with, that is, is not contended. Jesus called Peter a rock. Alright? Jesus called Peter a rock. From, not for what he was at that moment when he called him a rock, but for what he was capable of becoming, which is where I want to put you, you to put yourself in Peter's place. Jesus called Peter a rock. His name was Simon. His name was Simon. And Jesus says, you are Peter, Petros, and, or, and he says, a rock. So he calls him a rock, not for what he was when Jesus first met him, but what, for what Peter was capable of becoming. And I, 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 I absolutely love that idea. I love that idea. Because, you know, you think, well, you know, what, how can God use me? Who am I, you know, that God would want to use me to impact the world around me? Let's just go back and recap Peter, okay, for a moment. 
Peter's the guy who, when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter cut off the ear of one of the soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus is like, oh, sorry about that. Gets to, you know, put the ear back on. You know what I mean? And Peter's the guy who, when Jesus is walking on water, Peter's like, I'm going to get out of the boat. You know, he gets out of the boat and his lack of faith causes him to sink. Peter's the guy who denies Jesus three times. Peter's the guy that Jesus told, get behind me, Satan. Okay? So this is the Peter that we're talking about. Jesus called him a rock before any of that happened. Because he knew what he was capable of becoming. So I want you to get that. I want you to get that firmly planted in your mind. Jesus named him rock or called him Peter, named him Peter before. Okay. All of that went on. So in our own lives, you sit back sometimes, you think, well, what, you know, can I, am I really capable of doing this? Or why would God choose me? Why would God put this in my heart? Because God knows what you are capable of becoming. Like Peter, God has designed us for a specific purpose. God has designed you. He has designed me. He has created us for a very specific purpose. It's like we're all these uncut diamonds. We're these precious stones with the potential, okay? The spiritual potential for greatness. We're all like, you know, you say, oh, he's a diamond in the rough. We're all, in a sense, diamonds in the rough. It doesn't matter at what point you gave your life to Christ. If you're, as you're going along, God is shaping you and designing you. He's cutting you. We're like precious stones. We're like, we're like, these, we're like these precious stones with this incredible potential for greatness and unlimited value for the kingdom of God. And the more we allow him to shape us, the more we allow him to smooth off those rough edges, the more that God can use us for his kingdom. And God wants to use us. He created us. He designed us with a purpose and he wants to use us. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he not only designed you, he created you designed you specifically he prepared in advance for things that you would do that you are capable of doing i i just love that idea because so many people think you know oh my life started out so poorly i grew up this way i went through this kind of abuse and i was struggling here and you know and sometimes and the world i mean it's amazing to watch children who are given constant encouragement you're so awesome at that. You're so wonderful. You're so, they're so confident. And then they, they come outside of themselves and they're willing to take chances. And, they're, and, and the kids are being told, you're so this, you're so, you're so stupid. You don't ever amount to anything. And how the difference. And you have to understand that God is your father, ultimately. okay, And that God designed you and he created you to do good works, to do amazing things, which he prepared in advance for you to do. From the beginning of time, God had a plan for us. He created us and now he is molding us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He is shaping us, molding us into the image of his son, Jesus, who is perfect. 
One day we'll get a glorified body when we leave this world, all right? But until then, we're, we're going through sanctification. Sanctification is an ongoing process of, of smoothing out the edges. And that's what God is doing to each one of us. He has created us. He's designed us. He has a plan, a specific plan for people that we're going to impact. And then we need to conform to the image of Jesus Christ so we can fulfill all that he has for us. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says, But now, O Lord... You are our father. You, we are the clay. You, our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. See, that's why you need, that's why you need to expect greatness from yourself and from those around you. That's why you need to expect greatness from yourself. And I'm not talking about being arrogant and boastful, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, the fact that God has designed you and he expects us to impact this world for his kingdom. And we, we have that ability. He's molding us and shaping us. And we need to expect that of ourselves. Now, you might be thinking, today's Orphan Sunday. and We're going through the series called Reach. And today, around the world, it's Orphan Sunday. So you might be thinking, why, why are you talking about this on Orphan Sunday? Well, let me, let me explain why. Because of something I said a few weeks ago and probably a year ago and five years before that. Here's the reason. Because you are not the only one who needs you to believe in your spiritual potential for greatness. You are not the only one in this world who needs you to believe in your spiritual potential for greatness. God has designed you again. We are created in Christ Jesus do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What are those works? They're investing in the lives of others, glorifying God by investing in the lives of other people, the people around you, people around the world. You, God needs you to be the person he's designed and created you to be. Other people need you to be the person that God has designed and created you to be. So you're not the only one, okay, who needs you to believe in your spiritual potential for greatness. It is so important for you to fulfill what you've been called to do. See, many of us have what I call the, the Gideon syndrome, right? So Gideon calls God, right? He's fighting the Midianites and they're coming down and taking all the things from Israel. And, and so Gideon, uh, God calls Gideon to do something great. When God calls Gideon to do something great, Gideon's response in Judges, in Judges chapter 6 and verse 15 is this. Listen, pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Now, see, it's a little humorous, okay? Because God calls him to do it, and he's like, pardon me, God, who knows everything. Um, I don't think you're understanding what you're talking about here, because I am the least, our clan is the, is the, is the weakest, and you know, I'm the weakest in my family. We're the least and the weakest. Now, if you, if you did get that, if you'd grasped that concept, God, you wouldn't be asking me to do this, right? So now that I've straightened you out, I can go about my business of being mediocre. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I don't know what you're thinking, right? But we all, some of us, some of us in this room have this Gideon syndrome. We have this idea of like, it, it's like this mentality, how can I do this or how can I accomplish that? And then we say things like, I'm just. How can I do this for you, Lord? You call him, how can I do that? I'm just. You, and I, I think to myself, you're just what? A royal priesthood? That's what the Bible says, a holy nation, a person belonging to God. You're just, I'm just a joint heir of Jesus Christ. I'm just a new creation. Well, I mean, think about that. I'm just, I'm just what? Fearfully and wonderfully made, right? 
That's what I am. That's what you are. That's what the Bible says. So when you say I'm just, I'm like, you're just what? You're just designed to do good works with God prepared in advance for you to do. You're just a joint heir with Jesus. You, you're just a new, you, you're just what? You, you are a person who has been, who has been created by God to do unique things for God that maybe only you can do. That, that, that to touch people's lives that maybe, maybe that person can only be touched by you if, it, if, if you will. But God has designed you that way. Listen, you were designed to impact the lives of people in need, the lives of others, to, to, to help rescue those in need, to, to defend, if you will, the defenseless, to take on the cause of the orphan or the widow. You were designed to do something specific to impact the lives of other people. That's, that's why you exist. You, we need to understand that. Life is about others. God woke me up at 3.30 in the morning, and that's what I woke up, and that's the first thing. Life is about others. And hear me out, and I will argue this till the day I die. Life is about others, and when you don't live out that truth, suffering takes place. 90% of the suffering in this world, I will argue, and I can argue face-to-face if you'd like to, 90% of the suffering in this world comes from people not living out that reality. This world is about others. It's about serving others. It's about thinking others better than you think of yourself, Philippians chapter 2. It's about others. And if we live that way, our children would be healthier. Our friends would be healthier. We would be emotionally, psychologically healthier. We would be physically healthier. We would be less stressed. All of those things, suffering in this world is caused by people not thinking about others before they think of themselves. Greed and selfishness and all the things we think about ourselves first cause most of the wars. All You go down the list, the suffering in this world. We need to realize that God designed us for a unique purpose and that we are to stand up and defend the defenseless and take up the cause of the orphan and the widow. And that's why you need to believe in your spiritual potential for greatness. Do you understand? That's why you need to believe that. This isn't just a sermon like, oh, okay, in here, one ear, out the other. It, it, it can't be. Because if it is, people's lives are going to suffer. People are going to suffer if we don't grasp that concept and believe in ourselves. And I'm, this is not self-help. You're so wonderful. All you got to do is, you know, think it. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a God who designed you and 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 you specifically for a purpose. And we need to believe in that purpose. Other people need us to believe in that purpose. And then we need to be relentlessly aggressive in fulfilling what God has called us to be. Let me let me let me share another problem that I see that gets in our way. So many of us are caught up in a cycle of good. You say what what do you mean by that? Let me let me try to explain what I mean. Some of us need to stop doing so many good things so we can start doing some great things. We are, we are so, culturally, we get caught up in so many, so many good things. We, what we don't realize is that good, many times, is the enemy of great. A bunch of good can be the enemy of, of great. And nothing, my friends, is great unless it's done to the glory of God. Nothing, Okay? Good is the enemy of great, and nothing is great unless it's done to the glory of God. That's the reality. 
We, we, we run around getting ourselves and our children involved in so many activities that often we don't have time to do things that truly matter. Well, I'd love to get involved in that, but I just don't have time. I'm too busy this and this other good thing. And, then, and if you went down the list, I'd say, that's a great thing. That's, I mean, that's a good thing. That's good, and that's good, and that's dead. Nothing's wrong. It's not sinful to do the things that I'm doing, that our family sometimes are doing. But I've I got to ask myself the question, am I doing so many good things that I have no time to do what is truly great? The things that God... You know, when he went to the disciples and he said, come follow me, he said they dropped their nets and followed him. Nothing is more important than following him. And sometimes if you put yourself, sometimes it's like, a, it's like a ploy of the enemy to get us so busy and so financially strapped and so overwhelmed that if God said, drop everything, come follow me, you're like, whoa, time out, man. I have got this and this and this and I, I'd love to do that. But so my question is, do we do so many good things that we're not able to truly do what matters? We want to build a good, we want, we want to build good, a good family. We, we raise we raise good kids, but God didn't design us to settle for good. He created us to be great, to do great things, to build the kingdom of God. See, I, I, I've told my children this, and I, I said it to them when I was, you know, I'm, I'm a father, and now I have grandchildren, I have seven grandkids, and I don't want my children, I don't want my children raising good kids. I want them raising great kids. I want them raising little monsters for Jesus. That's what I want. I want, I want them to, from, the, from, from me all the way, I want them to, I, I want to try to set an example that they're thinking, oh, pops can do this. I can do this. And I want to put them in a position to do that. But if all we do is talk about being good, raising good kids, I don't want to raise a good kid. I want to ra- I try to raise great kids to the best of, Deb and I try to raise great kids to the best of our ability. And I want my children to raise great kids. I want them to have that in their hearts, that God can do immeasurably more than all they could ever ask or imagine. God didn't design me to do just good stuff. He wants me to do great things. We don't want it. We don't want to build a good church. We do this program and that program and this program and that program. And then when we grow, we do a bigger program like that and a better program than that. And look at this and this is a program, program. I, I don't want to just build a good church. I want to build a great church where people sacrifice themselves for others, where people are willing to, willing to sacrifice their finances and sacrifice their time and sacrifice their whatever to, to, to invest in the lives of other people. Because all that matters in this life, okay? It's not me that matters. What matters is others. It's me thinking, how do I, how do I impact the lives of others? How do I make your lives better? How do I invest in you so that you have what you need to do what God has called you to do? If we're all doing that, what an environment. What an environment. Constantly people coming around each other and encouraging each other and motivating each other. What we want to do, we want to be a church that walks in the footsteps of Jesus. I said that God was molding us and shaping us into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, that's what you should be doing with your words and through your actions. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6, through 6, it says this, We know that we have come to know Him, listen, if we obey, if we keep His commands. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. How did Jesus walk? What did Jesus say? What did he expect? What is he expecting us to do? I said this the last couple of weeks. Sharing the gospel is not a suggestion. It's a command. Sharing the love of Christ with other people is not a suggestion in the Bible. Well, gee, if you guys have time, I'd really, you know, I'd love you to go and share the love, my love with everyone else. It's not a command. It's not a suggestion. Taking care of orphans and widows in their distress is not a suggestion. Read that over again and see what happens to those who don't. It's not a suggestion. It is a command of God. The potter didn't mold us. God did not mold us without purpose. He didn't mold us without purpose. He's shaping each one of us for a specific role, for a specific goal, for a specific purpose. Something unique. God saved. I talked about this a couple weeks ago too. When I, when I got saved, God saved me. Okay, not just spiritually, he physically saved me. He saved from some of you. He saved some of us from lives of mediocrity. Just going through, letting, the, letting the, the world just carry you along. God doesn't want you to be carried along. That's not, he's not interested in mediocrity. He saved some of you from a life of fear. He saved some, honestly, he saved some people from a life of comfort where it's like, you know, I'm in my zone, I'm in my comfort zone, I'm really comfortable. And so he, he, God didn't, God, God saved some of you from a life of comfort, if you will. He pulled us, he pulled many of you out of the pit of despair. He saved you from the pit of despair. Your lives were going nowhere. Actually, they were going somewhere. They were going to a pit. You were miserable. You were overwhelmed. God reached out and pulled you out. In Psalm 40, verse 2, it says this. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. And that's exactly what he did to so many of us, right? That's what he did. That's what he did for me. Pulled me out of the miry clay. Put my feet on a solid rock where I can stand and do what I've been designed and called to do. I don't, I'm not confused about my purpose in life at all. I'm not confused about the meaning of life at all. At all. I know exactly what I'm designed and created to do. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it with such aggressive passion that I accomplish it or I die trying. And I, that's okay with me. I know who I am. I know what I've been designed to do. My life exists to invest in the lives of others. Remember what I said earlier. Jesus called Peter a rock. This is, and, I, and you're, some of you are still sitting there, and that voice in your, well, yeah, he's not talking to you. He's talking to people next to you, the person next to you. He can't be talking to you. Baloney. That's a lie from the pit. Jesus called Peter a rock, not for what he was at that moment. Maybe you're not a rock at the moment. Okay. But he called him a rock for what he was capable of becoming. Remember what I said to you in the, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ flowing through your veins. You're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's every single one of us. That's what we need to believe. The rest of it is a lie. 
And even if you've been, even if you've been beaten down in your life by other people and by just the enemy has beaten you, you have to remember, you have to remember the resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives in you. He can help you overcome whatever, whatever this world has thrown at you. And he can use whatever they've thrown at you to strengthen you and to strengthen the lives of people around you. We as a church and we as individuals need to strive to become, listen to me, the work of art that God has created us to be. You are a work of art. I wish I could live every, look every single one of you in the eye. You are a work of art. You say, I don't feel like a work of art. That's because the world doesn't make you feel that way. God says you are a work of art. You know what's cool about Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And we base so much on all of that. And I'm telling you, you are, you are conforming to the image of Jesus Christ is something that happens internally. And you are a work of art and we need, we need to strive to become that work of art that God has called us to be so that we can love and impact the people that he has called us to serve. That's God's desire. As we close out this service, I want to take a few more minutes. I asked, uh, I asked Jason Monofo to come up. I asked Jen to come up. And I want them to share with you some ways that we can truly impact the lives of people around us. One of the things in a sermon, you get all, you're all fired up, you know what I mean? You're telling people, but then they're, you're all dressed up, no place to go. Okay? What I want them to do, now that hopefully I got you dressed up, I want them to give you a place to go. Some specific ways that we can impact the lives of people globally and locally. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jason Monafo, and I am on staff with Back to Back Ministries. We work with orphans and vulnerable children, and today happens to be Orphan Sunday. Some of you may or may not have heard of Orphan Sunday. Um, it's becoming more popular, kind of in an unfortunate way. It actually started in a country in Africa uh, several years ago, and it's becoming... Uh, more popular. There's about, depending on what website you look at, there's about 170 or more orphans. Million. Uh, yeah, million. Yes, uh, yeah, definitely more than that. Uh, <laughs> 170 million orphans in the world, um, which can be, it's hard to put that number. Uh, what does that look like and mm. how many is that and everything? Um, we have a saying at Back to Back. It's, uh, it's called, it says, be the difference for one. And I think sometimes that number can get so overwhelming that it freezes you and you're like, I can't do anything about it anyways. But if you do, if you just focus on one, I believe and we believe that you can uh, make a difference. So uh, Back to Back has a sponsorship program. So how can you be a part of this? How can you be a part of the 170 million uh, in the world and, and make a difference? We have a sponsorship program. And so today, if you'd like to be a part of it and want to pray through that and see what it looks like, we have the opportunity that you can... Uh, sponsor a child at one of our sites. Our sponsorship program is awesome. It's proven itself over and over again. And some of you might have heard of other sponsorship programs. They're probably similar. We have great programs. You send in money monthly and you get letters throughout the year from the child that you sponsored. And I, all, I believe in all that. It's awesome. We have, we, we call it the holistic, uh, the, the child, the model that we have. It's spiritual, physical, educational, emotional, and social. And those are the five areas that we believe that we want to pour into in each child that we work with. Mm. But, and that's great, but I think the main thing is is the, the connection you get with the child. Mm. Uh, being able to connect with a child and cheer for them and root for them mm. uh, completely 
um, knocks it out of the park. And my a little analogy that I have is that I try to think about in these situations is imagine you're on the field playing a sport, you're in a stadium, and you're losing, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you just don't know if you can get through it. And you look to the stands, and there's nobody there. There's nobody there cheering you on. There's nobody there saying, you can do it. Hey, I'm pulling for you. There's none of that. So we need to get more butts in the seats in the in the. My, my little analogy of the stadium, we need to get people in there cheering for these kids and saying, hey, you can do it. I believe in you. God has a purpose, and I'm going to help be a part of making that purpose happen. Can, can I jump in, too? Absolutely, okay. yeah. So, so, in two, I, so we started going down there in 2002. The church has been a part of what Jason's talking about since 2002. I just got back. We, we went down there like two, a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I happened to be in the children's home when the letters came. Now, I can't speak for other organizations. I just can't because I don't know how they struggle structure theirs, but I was there. The letters came, and these kids are sitting there, and just picture this. It's, anti- it's like Christmas morning, and the kids are sitting there like, am I getting one? Am I getting one? Am I getting one? And they call their name. They go up there. They're, they're, they were just, they were like leaping out of their chair to get the letter, and one kid got a little teddy bear that someone sent them, and it's just, it's, it, I, I couldn't believe, I knew it already, but to see the kids actually responding and knowing this is like this was letters coming from many of you and they're sitting there reading the letter and then they run off and they want they start writing back and it was it was absolutely incredible so if you think that this is just a program you send the money and you know it goes into some black hole somewhere it doesn't okay it matters it really has an impact on these kids life not just the resources that we send but the what you're saying is being in the stand and i know a lot of our kids are older some of the kids we're putting up here but i remember these kids when little little bitty kids it's so easy to say oh little bitty kid i'm going to sponsor this kid these are little bitty kids too you know what i mean they're just a little older and they need our help you know we got to get past just the emotion of helping a little bitty kid and helping a kid who wants to start a business or who wants to go to college or wants to and we can be a part of that okay we can be a part of that so uh real quick every time i go they always say uncle jc jason or jc sometimes they call me jc um Tell me about auntie or uncle so-and-so. And, yeah. of course, their perspective is we're just all Americans. We live in this house all together. We all know each other. <laughs> and so I know everybody that, that comes, which obviously doesn't work that way. So I'm like, I don't know. But they'll pull out their letters, pull other pictures, uh, and ask if they're coming or uh, tell me about them. And I'm like, I don't know. The U.S. is a big place. But So the, the practical steps, if you're interested and you pray about it, we have a tree out there. And we, we have children that are hanging on that tree. And you can take one of those pictures if you're interested in sponsoring. Maybe you guys get together as a family and you pray over it and say, hey, we would like to sponsor this child. Um, we have some information. We'll also have people out there helping if you have questions uh, about that and what it takes to do that. But um, I'm telling you, it, it goes a long way. Uh, and you know what? The deposits you're putting in, you may never see, but God does. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about. And I, I love being a part of it, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. So thanks. That's really exciting. Um, we also have out in the foyer here <laughs> um, the Safe Families Organization Program, which is really, really a beautiful thing. Um, it's an organization that surrounds families that are in crisis with caring, compassionate community. It's The ministry relies on hosts' families and kind of a network of support of people to open their hearts and open their homes to vulnerable children, to host them. 
that are right here in our community. So it's kind of a step before the foster care system. And the beautiful thing about it is that it's built on the foundation of biblical hospitality. So, for example, a single mom, she has two kids, and she has no family, no support system, no community around her, and she's going to have surgery, and she has nowhere for her two kids to go. So by you hosting those kids in your home, you're giving her peace during this crisis, and you're providing a place for her kiddos to be safe um, and helping keep her family together, keeping her family intact. And something else that's really cool that they do is they try to um, be proactive about neglect and proactive about abuse situations um, a step before that so that that doesn't happen. Um, so if you want more information about that, I just love that it's literally built on biblical hospitality, exactly what God calls us to do. So if you want more information about that, you can go chat. Um, there's a table right out here by the Welcome Center. Uh, should I switch mics? I'm sorry. Is that like just me? Mm-hmm. Switch them? I'm good? Oh, okay. It's probably just me. I'm sorry. It's like making noises up here. That's a strange thing. Okay. If you want more information about that, go talk to someone out here. There are families actually in our church who are doing this. So some of them are going to be out there. There are some people you can go chat with. Um, if you have to race out of here but you're still really interested, Wednesday night, we're going to meet here at 6.30. We're going to have dinner and have a really informal kind of Q&A session um, with people who are interested in adoption and foster care and then also the Safe Families program. So if you are um, feeling a stirring towards adoption or foster care, we would love to have you come and join us. Um, We're going to have people there who have walked through international adoption, who have walked through domestic adoption, who have walked through closed versus open adoption, um, who have walked through the home study process, just everything that you could think of that gets overwhelming about foster care, about adoption, when your mind just kind of starts to turn off and say, oh, that's too much. Come talk to people who have walked through it and, and get a better understanding of what it actually looks like, the reality of it. And if you're feeling a stirring in your heart towards that, we really want us to, you to come join us, even if you aren't ready to pull the trigger, even if you just want more information. It would be a great opportunity for you to come and build this community that we already have going of foster and adoptive families here in our church. Um, and if you are an adoptive or foster parent, uh, we would really love for you to come join us and just share your own experiences and, and be um, open to sharing that with people who are asking questions. Um, so I'm an adoptive mom. My husband and I, oh my gosh, there she is. Oh, that was her birthday, our little flower bathing suit. Um, we walked through domestic adoption with our daughter, Layla Wonder Nair. And um, I will admit that it was not an easy process. Um, but I think of how many times that I have been grateful in my life that Jesus Christ did the hard, scary thing so that I could be adopted into his family. And God speaking over me that I am his adopted daughter is enough to empower me to follow in his footsteps when he says to take care of orphans and widows. Right? He said it wasn't an option. It was a command. It wasn't a suggestion of God. It was a command to do these things. God commands it of us. He doesn't say, if you have time, Go ahead and take care of the orphans and the widows. Or if all the money's there, then yes, go ahead and take care of them. Or as long as it doesn't interrupt your comfortable routine that you have with your family, like, oh, we're finally at a good place. Let's just stay here. Then if it doesn't mess that up, then take care of the orphans and the widows. No, it says do it. Take care of the orphans. Take care of the widows. 
And I just like, I would like to imagine if the entire church, our church, and then the church at large functioned the way that God designed it. Every single person using their spiritual gifts, their God-given individual designs, working as a whole to follow this command. Because it isn't just for a select few, the people you think sitting around you. God has a divine purpose for your life. He's given you specific gifts, and he's given you specific abilities to accomplish the purpose that he has set for you and that's for every single person in this room if you want the adventure if you want to be more than lukewarm then god's going to bring you to a place where the gifts that he has already given you are going to be anointed where your obedience allows the holy spirit to blow through you and then there will be a flow of his power through your life and through that anointing people's lives are going to change it just is It is what's going to happen. And right now, I can feel a stirring. I can like literally feel a stirring in this room towards greatness. It's an anticipation that's in each one of us of being part of something bigger, being part of something great, something incredible, and spilling out of us. And I just don't want to quiet that stirring. I don't want us to talk ourselves out of greatness because God's commands are so that we don't live in mediocrity, like Jeff said. And something that I've learned throughout my life over and over and over again is that there are very few times very few things that I felt completely comfortable and fully prepared to do for me adoption especially a semi-open or open adoption was terrifying and I don't use that word lightly it was really scary for me and I know that the path that my husband Drew and I took in obeying this command to take care of orphans and widows is not the path that he's calling every single person to. Obedience to this is not going to look the same across the church, and that's the beautiful thing too. But when God commands us to do something, he equips us to follow the command. In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 5, he tells this man who was unable to walk to get up and to pick up his mat and to start walking. And I remember reading that thinking, that must have been so scary. Like, the man... thinking I can't walk and now this man's telling me get up and start walking I'm gonna get up take one try to take one step and fall flat on my face this isn't gonna work but he knew he wasn't doing it on his own strength Jesus Christ healed him and by healing him he equipped him to follow the command to get up and to walk he commands us to do things every day God commands us to do small acts of obedience and sometimes they're life-altering and they are scary but he never gives me a command without giving me the power to accomplish that command so I can choose to trust that God has called me to do this for my family if I can choose to trust that it is God leading me then I can trust that he is going to equip me obedience There's power in obedience. So here's what we're going to do right now. Uh, Would you guys just close your eyes? We're going to take a few minutes. We're going to sing a song. You can sing it with us if you want. But first, I want you guys to just pray this really simple. Just pray, I want to live in your greatness, God. Show me how you want me to follow this command. Because he's trying to speak to every single person in this room and lead them in a direction to follow this command. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's foster care. Maybe it's safe families. Maybe it's sponsoring one, two, three, four, five kids out there. Maybe it's getting involved in a business tree. Whatever it is, he's calling each of us to do something. It's going to look different, but obedience looks like something. It doesn't look like nothing. 
So we're going to play this. I want you to pray that and then just sit quiet and let him speak. Let him lead and don't try to talk yourself out of it and talk louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit urging you to greatness. Let's let's take a minute and just pray together. God, we thank you so much for being the example for using the word adopted when you describe your love for us that you've adopted each person into your family thank you God for showing us grace for showing us love for showing us hope for showing us mercy for showing us abundance in how much you love us so that we can follow your example follow your footsteps and show that to the world around us God we want to be your hands we want to be your feet every single person in this room I pray a spirit of of confidence and a spirit of obedience that as we walk in obedience to take care of the people that are around us that you are calling us and commanding us to love that we wouldn't let fear hold us back that we would love boundless confidence God and we love you so much it's in your son's name we pray amen have a great week